calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome to another brand new episode from the Geek Buddies. Hey! Oh, wait, before we start here, I, I made a mistake. There we go. I was, I was wondering what was going on here, where the order was all thrown around. There we go. I was feeling that's... a little, uh, you know, lower than usual. So that's wow. good. I, I, I don't know. like anyone on my sides. I am a solo. I am a solo <laughs> like act. Solo. Well, for those of you watching, happy Moon Knight Day. That's right. It's happening uh, uh, right now. If you haven't, the first episode is out on Apple TV. We will definitely be, sorry, on Disney Plus. We will definitely be reviewing it uh, in the next day or so for you all to enjoy. And we will. We might have a special guest as well joining us uh, to do that. Uh, but we are the Geek Buddies. We're going to talk about all the stuff going on in the world of geekdom here. Uh, the way the show works is each of us picks a news topic. We take a break and jump into our main topic. Well, let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. Mike. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Yes, Chef. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs. Ooh. 
Boom. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. And uh, we're uh, powered and sponsored by Carbon Health. The fantastic people over there at Carbon Health, as you see where Michael is pointing. Uh, they have 100 locations in 14 states. That's right. 14 states, 100 locations, 50 plus locations in California, across the Bay Area, Los Angeles, Sacramento and North San Diego. They got COVID testing, travel testing, everything you need. Over 2 million COVID tests have been conducted. So, you know, you can rely on them. They establish a partnership with a primary care clinician that gets a professional in your corner for your health needs, questions, and healthy future. And we continue to partner with them because Carbon Health genuinely cares about positive communities who engage with each other over the love of culture and expressions of life like we do. And you can download the app to keep a dock in your pocket for those immediate urgent care needs. And who doesn't? I mean, we lost Shannon McClung last week. It was touch and go. So I'm sure he uh, hooked up some Carbon Health to get himself back on track, I'm sure. I 100% did. Yes. Last week, uh, th- you know, thank you gentlemen for, uh, for, uh, filling in for me, even though there was some discussion of my permanent removal. Not from apparently. my, not from my side. I, I, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hear you leaping to my defense. So yeah. it's, so it's good. To, it's good to know you are, you are the Academy members to my Chris Rock. Oh, 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 we're going that early. We're going that early. Well, just like them, wow. I was in a state of shock. I was in a state of shock. From what Michael brought up, so just to be fair. Yeah. Um, but Listen, anyway, I my, just think, I just think that your I just think that your puns are a real slap in the face. Oh, That's what I think. Okay. <laughs> so if we haven't teased that already, that's pretty much going to be our main topic. Absolutely, that will be our main topic. We're going to talk about Oscars, the Oscars fallout, all the positive, all the negative, everything uh, that's fit to talk about there in our main event. But uh, we got three geek news items coming up for you, Michael. Start us off. Yeah, well, you know, we are all very, very excited uh, about Obi-Wan Kenobi coming to Disney Plus very soon. And even though Star Wars is very tight-lipped on spoilers and does a better job of keeping everything under wraps than pretty much everyone else, uh, little drips and drabs are popping up here and there. And one of the latest drips and drabs is uh, Deborah Chow teasing what fans can expect from Darth Vader and his appearance. And while she can't really talk spoilers... Uh, She did tell EW in their extensive kind of coverage of the series that viewers should keep in mind that this iteration isn't the fully formed Sith Lord that was in the original Star Wars. Uh, Her full quote was, for us, it's very similar to Obi-Wan in the sense that he's in between these two trilogies. Mm -hmm. So he isn't the New Hope Vader quite yet. You know what I mean? So we are with this character sort of in the middle of this period. It is still Vader, obviously, but it's a Vader that isn't quite as fully formed as a new hope so of course that has everybody buzzing about what exactly that means um and i have some thoughts but gentlemen what do you think this means a not quite fully formed vader uh what are you guys expecting to see from this shane I mean, it's interesting because when it was first announced that uh, Hayden Christensen was going to be coming back to play Darth Vader, I said from the beginning, like, I I don't know why that is a big deal if you're essentially just putting him in a suit. Like, of course, you could have flashbacks. You could have those moments where he doesn't have the helmet on. But for the most part, if you're going to put Vader in, in a series, in a film a la Rogue One, like you you want to see Vader. So hearing this, hearing this um, explained by Deborah Chow, how this is not the Vader that we will come to meet in episode four, not the Vader we come to meet in Rogue One, that this is someone who is on a bit of a journey still, like that does make Hayden Christensen's um, casting, it makes it a, it makes a lot more sense that way because this is a guy who does have two films of playing Anakin under his belt. He was Anakin who then tra- uh, transitioned into Dark 
Darth Vader. So I think that makes, from an acting standpoint, I think that that makes that makes really, really um, makes a lot of sense. It makes it, it could be a very, very interesting character. Looking at the timeline, though, I mean, if this movie or if this series does take place 10 years after uh, uh, episode three and 20 years before episode four, how it's not fully formed Vader, I'm like, oh, 10 years is a long time. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, it's, it's a very interesting choice um, to, to put out there that this is not the guy that, that we have come to know. Like, where, how does this Vader feel about the this sort of you know conquering of the galaxy that Palpatine has done? I, I think it's really really interesting. And as one who has not always been the biggest fan of uh, Hayden Christensen's work in the in the Star Wars films, here's hoping that this is a, a chance, the same way uh, Ewan McGregor is getting a chance to to mm-hmm. really play the character the way you want to play the character. Um, I think a lot of folks have no issue with Ewan McGregor's performance, but you know. It, George Lucas is known to not be the most actor friendly director. Mm -hmm. So you have a, you have a a series where you really kind of let Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen really kind of let loose in these characters. I think it sounds very exciting. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Shannon. I think a lot, you make a lot of excellent points. If you're an actor, this is what excites you about coming back to a project. I get a little more wiggle room to uh, be creating this character at this time you know i mean your 20s are not your 30s your 30s are not your 40s there's different things so yeah you make a point 10 years certainly he's changed he's more comfortable in being this vader but where is he fraying at the edges where is he kind of having issues constructing this putting this character together figuring out how he fits in this and when kenobi shows back up how does that rattle him how does that situation kind of mess with him so all of that is rich material for an actor to explore so this makes all kinds of sense and it excites me even more for this series to hear the back and forth to see the back and forth to see what they're going to reference what they're going to talk about how are they going to if they're going to you know they promised the duel is it going to be a letdown or is it going to be an awesome duel with a lot of conversation in between the strikes like they did in, in their last duel that would be exciting to see for sure so all of this makes so much sense and i wonder what I wonder like what, how he's going to look and if the technology is going to be exactly the same or kind of be in transition itself to what we saw in the, in a new hope. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. This makes all kinds of sense. Yeah. And you know, star Wars is at their best when they fill in the gaps of the things that don't really always make a ton of sense. And Mm. although like we all love star Wars, between what is established in the prequels, what is said in the original trilogy, like there's always a couple things that you're like, "Ah, this doesn't (laughs) quite always add up. Dave Filoni and his team have done a masterclass in using Clone Wars animated to sort of fill in some of those gaps on one end. Like, you know, the whole Hayden Christensen is having visions about Padme and that's why he goes and all of a sudden kills a bunch of Jedi because the Emperor kind of gets him to do it. Like, it was always, even if you love the prequels, which I know a lot of you do, it was always a little bit of a leap. Mm. And I think what they did in Clone Wars Animated so well was really build an Anakin who already had a lot of those tendencies, was already ready to go to that force choke. Like they really built a character that you could really justify making some of those leaps in Revenge of the Sith. 
And now they have the opportunity to do it at the opposite end. Because if you kind of read the Vader comics that are that have been out in the past few years, if you look at this stuff, you see that there's a lot more nuance than the guy that we necessarily see at the beginning of A New Hope. Like, this is a guy who doesn't know that Luke Skywalker is his son until after New Hope, pre-Empire Strikes Back when Boba Fett shows up and tells him. This is a guy that still has a lot of feelings about Padme, even as he is terrorizing the galaxy as a Sith Lord. So they've definitely, like, built a Vader that is a little bit more nuanced than the Vader that a lot of us grew up with. And I think that here is a chance to do it on the biggest scale that they've had so far. Not an animated series, not in a comic book, but in something that everybody in the world is going to be watching with the actor that actually portrayed him in the prequels. So I think that even 10 years in, this is a guy who still thinks uh, the love of his life died, has no idea that he has children, um, and has this thing with Obi-Wan, you know, when we get to A New Hope, Darth Vader kind of says, oh, it's a presence I haven't felt since, and then turns and walks away. And I think we've always assumed that that was since Mustafar, but if they're going to build this moment and have this duel, and this is the moment that he hasn't felt this presence since, they could really build something that really fills in a lot of gaps in a really, really cool way and builds a Vader that, uh, that, that lets us see shades of the Vader uh, that we see in Return of the Jedi, the one who is a little bit more regretful, the one yeah. that has some more of those feelings. So I think it could be really, really good if they do it right. could be fascinating to see what holes they fill in from the original trilogy. I mean, you make some excellent points here, Michael. Will they kind of retroactively kind of touch on certain moments that will get us thinking about that, like you mentioned, in, in Return of the Jedi? Also, I think it's it'll be fascinating to see how, um, uh, who, how much of the comic book stuff bleeds into this as well you know he's a completely different person at times with with dr afra than he is with other people so will some of that play in will he have an assistant or a uh i don't know a person who's there as his kind of second in command that he has a little more of a not friendlier but just a little more of a human for lack of a better term interaction with it that makes him a little more vulnerable because look they know vader like is a, a like a, a, like a sithritary a sithritary <laughs> sure a sithritary wow um you know but but everybody lo- they love vader they love it even when he came in at the end of rogue one and sliced innocent people sliced them up to pieces people were loving it so they love vader so you got to make him a little more vulnerable connectable human as i said for lack of a better term and i think this is a a, a perfect way to do it so Hopefully they take advantage of it for sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, Shannon, what do you got for us for our second story here? All right. So we found out from Deadline just a few, a couple of days ago that the Blue Beetle film, which was originally going to be on HBO Max, but now is getting a theatrical release next August in 2023. They have found their villain potentially in the form of Sharon Stone. So she, according to the playlist.com, she is going to be playing Victoria Court, who Ooh. is a uh, an original creation for, for this film. And according to Christopher Mark at the playlist.com, she is said to be the wife of Ted Cord, who is actually the second Blue Beetle, but it's the Blue Beetle that most of us, at least those of uh, our ilk, of our age, that's who we grew up with being uh, uh, being the Blue Beetle. So this is a really interesting casting. I mean, Sharon Stone um, does not have the best history playing a baddie in a DC property, um, going back <laughs> to Halle Berry's, Halle Berry's Catwoman. But the fact that she's playing, potentially, the widow of Ted Cord. I'm like, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting choice. But gentlemen, what do you all think of Sharon Stone as our big bad in the Blue Beetle? 
I mean, my mind goes to like 30 different directions, right? Because I mean, it's if it's his wife, then were they divorcing? Were do they have a happy marriage? Uh, is does she want control of the company? Because I mean, if they say villain, then she's obviously doing some nefarious shit. So is she someone that did she marry him? Is she a second wife? Like you got there's all kinds of things that come into your head that you've seen as cliches before uh, or in real life uh, in 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 these situations. And I wonder why she's being a villain. Is she is she is she mad that Jaime Reyes has taken over? Is she fighting for Ted Cord's legacy? So she doesn't want that to be overshadowed. There's all kinds of directions you can go here. And yes, uh, Catwoman is a bad movie all around. I don't know how much you blame Sharon Stone for that. Um, but it's, it's, so I'm, I'm definitely open to give her another chance. Cause I think she's been fantastic over the last few years in a number of projects. She's about to come, I think in second season of flight attendant. So good, good to bring her in and she's got a strength and a power here. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. And maybe this is, you know, we talk about Hayden Christensen getting redeemed a little bit here with Kenobi. Maybe Sharon Stone will redeem the Catwoman performance in this film. Um, uh, but a lot of people are already like, Oh boy, it's a bad sign, but I hope it isn't. And I'm looking forward to it because they announced a bunch of new act uh, uh, Latino actors coming into this film as well, which is very exciting. So Sharon Stone is, I think, it's fun. She can play because she was also a villain in Casino, in essence, an antagonist in Casino, and she did a great job with that. So, Mikey, yeah, I the Ted the Ted Cord's wife of it all is the most interesting part of this story. Mm. Like I Sharon Stone, uh, not great in Catwoman, but really, who was? So <laughs> I don't I don't hold that against her particularly, but I think the fact that Ted Cord's wife is in the movie means that there was a Ted Cord. Yes. And if she's point. the villain yeah. in a Blue Beetle movie, uh, chances are high that that Ted Cord might have been a Blue Beetle. And if you aren't aware of the, you know, uh, odd and uh, varied history of the Blue Beetles in the comics, like Ted Cord was an industrialist who kind of took on the persona of the Blue Beetle and flew around in like his Beetle, his Beetle plane and had his beetle suit but jaime reyes gets a scarab from outer space from an alien race called the reach in a completely different way so what ted cord's wife would have to do with jaime reyes being a new blue beetle when yeah. her husband may or may not have been a blue beetle like it's it's really interesting to me because uh there's a lot like johnny said there's a lot of possibilities to what that means there's a lot of possibilities that could be really interesting and cool there's a lot of possibilities that could be really cheesy and bad. So yeah. there are several ways that this could go. Um, the other part that's always interesting and not in a bad way necessarily, but when you have a villain uh, in your movie and an antagonist in the form of someone like a Sharon Stone, chances are, unless they're going to do something really, really weird with Ted Cord's wife, her and Jaime Reyes aren't going to be duking it out which yeah, means that right. she will be an antagonist, but not the only antagonist. Because mm -hmm. when you have a character like Jaime Reyes who can do some pretty badass stuff with the Scarab, uh, you're gonna have to have some characters that he can really uh, show off what he can do. And I don't think wailing on Sharon Stone is definitely the way they're planning on going. So, uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see the role that she plays, but also who else is going to be stepping up to be uh, part of this, uh, the antagonist side of this movie? Well, it's funny that you bring that up because along with Sharon Stone's casting announcement, there was uh, the casting announcement of Raul Max Trujillo as Carapax, the indestructible man, who is a is also a, uh, a, a villain. So the fact that these two might be teaming up to take on Jaime Reyes, I think sounds super, super cool. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but in one version... I don't know if this is in, in current continuity, but didn't Ted Cord like had the scarab was never able to make it work 
and he but he was able to base some of his tech off of it i think so it got there's been a lot of versions of the dc universe in the past several years and i do think they try they tried to really sort of unify uh the blue beetle of it all to sort of make the history of blue beetle and what they've done with jaime kind of all make sense and it and her being in this movie seems like that's also what they will be trying to do that perhaps uh some of cord industries tech is tied to the scarab and that's why she's an antagonist so i think there's a lot of possibilities also with the invulnerable man being the villain wasn't sharon stone's power in catwoman that she was invulnerable I think it it was a side effect of the experimental makeup she was working on. If memory serves. I saw someone. I tell you what. Yeah. If they have an invulnerable man and then she's like, by the way, remember me. And then she's the invulnerable woman again. Like I will. I wouldn't put it past DC guys. I'll walk out out of the theater if that happens. Uh, Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Maybe I hope. To God, it wasn't a casting decision. We're like, you know who else was invulnerable? Uh, Catwoman there and Catwoman. Uh, let's get Sharon Stone. I hope it wasn't like that. So also, it um, is indestructible, not invulnerable. <laughs> that is neither here nor there. But either way, Blue Beetle will be hitting the big screen next summer in August of 2023. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to that one. I hope it all works out. Christ, I hope it all works out. Uh, <laughs> all right, our last uh, little uh, item here in the first block of uh, uh, of the show here is uh, a new trailer that dropped for a film that's been sitting in the can for two and a half damn years. Uh, it's so excited that we're we got a new trailer for Top Gun Maverick. Getting to see Tom Cruise back in the flight jacket, back in the sunglasses. Got himself a new lady here with Jennifer Connelly, but also in this trailer we got a glimpse of this man, Iceman. That's right. Kaczynski's an admiral. Are you kidding me right now? Iceman became an admiral, which is really awesome. And he is the reason why Pete Maverick Mitchell is back to train these pilots. By the way, Pete Maverick Mitchell has not gone higher up in rank in four decades of service. So clearly a stubborn dude. John Hamm, an antagonist who, who's not happy with him being there. I mean, that's all John Hamm plays now is comedy or antagonist. There's, there's really nothing else uh, that John Hamm seen John Hamm played recently. So Good, good casting with him to, to slide in there. We didn't get any Ed Harris in the new trailer, but we got more with Miles Teller here playing uh, Rooster. That's Goose's son. He had a lot more. Yeah, we got to see the interaction. There's a little bit of uh, drama between him and, and Pete Mitchell saying, hey, my dad trusted you in the past. I'm not going to make that same mistake again, even though he's training these guys. A little more Glenn Powell, Monica Barbaro. Got to see Danny Ramirez, for those of you who've been watching uh, a number of uh, projects he's been in lately. And so great to see all of this here for me. I love the trailer. I was excited about the trailer. I love the story they're telling. There's a little emotional story here. What do we know? Is Did Meg Ryan live? Did she not live? Did Meg Ryan, did she pass away from the depression of the loss of Goose? Is that why Rooster's bitter against her? Is she alive? Or bitter against a Maverick? Is she alive? I got all kinds of questions coming out of this trailer. Gentlemen, what did you think about this latest and probably final trailer? Because we're less than a month away from this thing coming out for Top Gun Maverick. Man, this was the coolest thing to wake up to. Um, (laughs) As a child of the 80s, you know, I had Top Gun on on beta before I had it on VHS. And I wore that tape down to 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 the nub. I mean, I I love Top Gun as a kid. And, you know, you get all of these, you know, that bong, like right as the right as the trailer starts. Um, You know, I, I love that 
they're embracing and like you know they wouldn't have any other choice but i love that they're embracing the age of tom cruise in this that's yeah. been like I, I i do enjoy tom cruise but this is something kalinowski and i always talk about he thinks that i i, I don't like tom cruise but it's because he he keeps trying to play these younger roles and it's like embrace the age play the older guy and watching as you said john how, how uh, maverick has not been promoted in rank in in quite a long time i'm like that's that's really interesting i love that we found that we officially have found out um val kilmer's uh uh role in the movie yeah. that that uh kazansky is now a is now an admiral um yeah. like that's that's so so cool the the one part of the trailer that does give me a little bit of pause mm. um is the younger cast. Okay. Um, the little bit that we saw, I'm speaking specifically of Glenn Powell and Monica Barbaro, both of their deliveries, and granted, you know, we're looking at a snippet. Both of their deliveries to me, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Wow, um, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, it's, it's like to me, and, and again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the corner of a painting right now mm-hmm. and making a judgment call. I could be 100% wrong, but both of their, the little moments that we had, both of them just ring a little hollow to me. Now, Miles Teller, completely the opposite. Miles Teller is is a dynamic young actor, even though apparently as a person, he's not that great. <laughs> um, but but those moments that you talk about with Tom Cruise, he looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I thought the the brief glimpse we had at uh, Danny Marie, uh, Danny Ramirez. I liked him, but there's just something about Powell and Barbaro that I'm like, eh, I, I don't know. And I think really the movie, it, you know, it obviously rests on Tom Cruise's shoulders, but you want you want that strong supporting cast there. You know, and you had such a great supporting cast in the first Top Gun. And I think we're going to have that with Jennifer Connelly, with John Hamm, with Ed Harris. But, uh, you know, his connection to these younger pilots, I do think is kind of going to be the spine of the story. And you just hope that, they are able to uh they are able to carry their weight interesting uh, yeah I, I like glenn powell essentially playing Iceman. so i i liked what he was doing here michael what do you think did you, did you have the same feelings as shannon did about some of the acting here or did you enjoy the trailer no, overall i, mean, I thought the acting was fine i i like top gun i do not love top gun the way you two do like i i enjoy it like i i got nothing against top gun i got nothing bad to say about the movie and when that music hits, it gets me every time. Like I love that right. score. It's probably right. my favorite part about the movie. But uh, I like I agree with Shannon. I, I'm happy that Tom Cruise is playing his age, but I still this trailer makes me laugh because like you just I just looked at it. I was like, man, Tom Cruise is gonna cruise. Yeah. Like you can't stop that man. He is just he is gonna he is gonna Tom Cruise his way to the grave. Like the whole way, just like <laughs> like the whole way doing his thing. Um. And it's like the fact that that has sort of been incorporated into the story, that this is a guy who hasn't really grown or changed kind of like, I'm like, yeah, that kind of works for me. Um, I'm excited for the movie. Like, I think this trailer did a great job. I think I am on board. Um, I think that it is just an interesting era that we live in where we are not, we, we don't reboot anymore. We just continue the story. Like yeah. with Obi-Wan, with Maverick, yeah. with everybody. Like we live in the era of, we don't want you to retell our stories. We want to see where these people are yeah. 20, 30, 40 years later. And and that's that's what we're going to get. And this is just another in a long line of those movies. But, like, it gets you. Like, I, I watched the trailer and I looked at my brother and I was like, 
I'm not the biggest Top Gun guy, but I'm in for this movie. Like I'm going to see it. Like I'm in. You want to go inverted with uh, with uh, Maverick? It's twice in the in the trailer you saw him going inverted. So I was very happy to see that uh, as well. And you're right. I mean, look at this guy. I mean, this guy's in his 60s, looking like he's in his 40s with Jennifer Connelly. Ridiculous. I, I agree with you. But how will be doing that when they do the third installment? When he's 76, he's going to look just like that on the bike too. I mean, the guy is ageless. In his internal approach, I know we're seeing the wrinkles, certainly at the end of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. You saw the wrinkles, but, uh, I, you know, I, I like what you guys are saying, that he's embracing his age in the character, and he's not moving up. You know, most people get uh, pretty much, uh, I don't know, uh, ridiculed for not moving up in rank in the military. So it's going to be interesting to hear the stories about why he's never moved up. You know, when Kirk became an admiral, he hated that he couldn't fly the Enterprise, so he eventually had to go back and fly the Enterprise. I think the same thing is, uh, I think uh, uh, Maverick learned that lesson and never got promoted, possibly. Well, I think that's also a possibility for the story, is he yeah. was promoted and oh, right. he got and knocked he said, out of rank yeah. because awesome. of his behavior. Also, in the trailer, he he tells John Hamm, I'm not a teacher. Yeah. But at the end of the first movie, he was um, speculating on becoming an instructor for Top Gun. So maybe he actually did. And God they were like, all. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know you're right. I remember. So there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun story possibilities yeah. with that. But yeah, thinking about like Tom Cruise and like uh, that was something that I did like about the last Mission Impossible movie is that he was sort of like especially that bathroom fight with him oh, and uh, Henry Cavill teaming yeah. up, like him just getting worked by that yeah. dude. It's like okay, embrace the age. That's great. Like this is a, this is a shade that this is a shade that the audience wants to see is Tom yeah. Cruise playing this playing an older man. I think I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw some writers and critics coming out going, why do we need a sequel for this? Because there are those of us who loved it. So how about we just we allow you to love your Predator 7 movies or your other madness franchise. Let <laughs> us enjoy. loves the seventh. Predator I mean, movie. some I mean, people, hasn't been, like... yeah, yeah, you know, this fear, <laughs> they defend that shit. And I'm just saying, like, let us have it. You want 30 Lord of the Rings movies? Let me have a sequel to Top Gun, for God's sake. Uh, anyway, just want to address that. There, uh, are, before... there are two there are two total good predator movies but it takes three movies to get there the first predator movie is good half of predator 2 is good no and half of predators is good and that's it that's all you get yeah the 1980s when we made jamaicans the bad guys and everything yeah oh, that boy. part's not one of the good parts <laughs> that's not one of the good parts of that movie um I do want to bring something up. I know we're moving on from this and just have a little bit more of a somber tone today. We did get that news uh, about Bruce Willis, uh, sad uh, news about Bruce Willis here, who is uh, retiring from acting. Want to get you guys thoughts real quick before we jump into our uh, our final uh, segment here after the break. He is uh, he's been diagnosed with aphasia. Um, Demi, Demi Moore released a uh, statement here saying to Bruce's amazing supporters. As a family, we want to share that our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. As a result of this, with so much consideration, Bruce is stepping away from his career, um, from the career that has meant so much to him. And aphasia is a language disorder caused by brain damage that affects a person's ability to communicate. Uh, gentlemen, we've all enjoyed Bruce Willis's films over the years, maybe not so much lately, but certainly over the years. And this is some. This is as much as we may joke about actors in their films or whatever. This is something you never want to see happen to an icon from an era who uh, entertained us for so long. Um, reactions to this, um, uh, as you say, because I mean, attacking an actor where they live and breathe, which is their ability to communicate, is 
is br as brutal as Roger Ebert being having getting throat cancer, who was so good on television giving us our movie reviews. So, what are you guys' reactions uh, to this news? I mean, incredibly, incredibly sad news. Yeah. Um, as you said, John, you know, uh, he he was an actor that those of us of a certain age grew up with. I yeah. mean, watching him in Die Hard, like remembering him in Moonlighting, um, and, and then watching this sort of, you know, stratospheric rise that he had. And, it, you know, it obviously has leveled out in a few years. And 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 that happens with every actor. True. Um, and especially, like, I had read an article not too long ago about talking about some of his um, recent career choices, how he's done a lot of uh, lower-budget films and allegedly was... Uh, like was had to be was having to be fed his lines because he was having trouble remembering cool. his lines yeah, yeah. and someone had speculated because they had heard he did have some sort of condition some yeah. sort of you know debilitating cognitive condition that he was doing as many of these movies as he could right now so he was going to be able to leave something behind for his family he wanted to make yeah. sure that his kids uh were taken care of and so knowing knowing why he did that because obviously like that's that's low-hanging fruit for 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 cinephiles is to kind of joke about the you know the, the new kind of crappy straight to dvd movie that uh bruce willis not, not bruce too willis low did. for the razzies though shannon not too low for the razzies to get a whole category i don't know how they feel this morning anyway. <laughs> i mean that's the thing i mean like obviously we we like to make jokes we like to have fun but i mean that this is one of those moments where it's like oh god now i kind of feel rightfully kind of like a dick uh, because there was a reason he was doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously in, in, incredibly sad and just, you know, we'll always have his, we'll always have his classic films to go back and remember the performer that he, that he used yeah. to be. Yeah. Uh, Mike. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I feel horrible for him, horrible for his family and just like, man, cognitive diseases are the ones that freak me out the most. Oh yeah. But like, we're all going to get older and I know I won't no. always be able to go to the gym every morning. I know I'm not always going to be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, but I like, you know, I, the, the, the idea of like losing your ability to communicate, losing yeah. your ability to comprehend the people around you, losing your ability to kind of like understand where you are, anything along those lines. Like that's the stuff that it really, that scares me the most of anything. And so then, you know, and the thing about actors, the thing about the actors we love is like, you feel like you know them you, sometimes yeah. in creepy ways, but sometimes in really <laughs> endearing ways. And like Shannon and Johnny said, like, these are, these are people that we've all grown up with. Like, we don't know them personally, but you know, these are the people that, uh, we went to see when we were stressed. We went to see when we were excited movies that mean things to us. And so to see something like that happen to someone who uh, has meant so much to so many of us, like it's it's as horrible as finding out that, uh, you know, it's someone that, you know, personally, like it just it's really tragic. It's really sad and it's really scary. Like I, I you know, I'm I hope that he's using the time that he has left to do what he really wants to do. Um, and you know, and that, that has nothing to do with any of us that has to do with yeah. his family and the people that he loves in his life. And I hope that, I hope that he's spending his time doing as much of that as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, um, you're right about that, Mike. Uh, there's nothing I fear more. There's nothing I worry about more. And sometimes I think, cause I'm doing so many things, so many of these kinds of shows that I'm, that I'm increasing the possibility and, it, and it's speeding along the possibility of that stuff happening. Nothing scares me more than cognitive stuff. And, and when you're seeing, once strong, proud actors now later on in life, you know, 
uh, being affected by these kinds of things, it's just heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And no matter what your feelings are about Bruce Willis, I'm sure this is not something people would wish on him. And so, um, like I said, hopefully we remember him. And they posted a picture of him. It was a happier picture, you know, a stronger picture. And uh, hopefully that's how we remember him as we go along with this, because I'm sure there'll be plenty of updates as it goes along. Um, and I'm not sure what the, you know, the life expectancy of something like this. I, I've never heard of this disease until today. So um, just kind of heartbreaking. though. there's even more of these things that you can get. And um, mm-hmm. you know, we wish him be- well. We send our, our thoughts and comforts to his family. And um, thanks. Thank you, Bruce, for all the entertainment you gave us, for sure. And um, hopefully we'll, you know, it'll go as peacefully as possible as the years go on. Um, all right, we'll take a quick break here and we'll jump into our main topic here, which is uh, discussing the Oscars, the both good and bad and the fallout from everything that happened that night and the reactions to it all here. Uh, what? After- what happened? I'm not. Did something happen at the Oscars? I'm not. <laughs> Your mouth. <laughs> oh God. Oh boy. All right. Let's take a quick break. Shan, what do you got for us? <laughs> well, I had one thing, but it seems a little inappropriate on the heels of Bruce Willis. So oh, okay. I'll just say. What would have been the appropriate? Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute just sit right there. That's that's what you needed to do. What what I was going to do was the opening lyrics to hit me hit me with your best shot. Oh my god! You two are out of control. Um, all right, I'm just going to give a quick precursor and then we're going to get into it. So the Oscars uh, the other night, uh, um, you know, very interesting night. I did a Twitch watch along uh, with it. I had, I had like 150 people joining me live to watch with me as I watched the Oscars. That was a lot of fun for sure. But in the middle, or right at the end of meeting, eating my leftover Italian food from the night before, out of nowhere, there was a smack heard around the world here during the Oscars, and that got tongues wagging. I mean, people were already complaining about a little bit about the hosts, even though I think they did a, as good of a job as they could. Uh, they were complaining about uh, some of the, the way the categories were being, those eight categories were being uh, read out and the winners being read out and then rushed up there to deliver their speeches or edit in their speeches. There were complaints about the in memoriam. There were complaints about a number of things throughout the show, but I don't want any of that. And myself for myself personally to overshadow what a diverse show it was honoring women, honoring the LGBTQ plus community, honoring the deaf community. There were so many positive, the black community, there were so many positive things, Latino community, Latino community, rather uh, all over the place to enjoy from the Oscars. But overall uh, that uh, the uh, slap is what everybody seems to want to talk about or, or debate um, and so, gentlemen, I ask you guys, uh, what is your, and, and by the way, the Oscars, uh, I think almost doubled their audience from the, the year before in terms of the ratings. So whatever your issue is with Will Packer, either he produced a hell of a show or people were more in the mood this year to see the Oscars than they were last year because of either the movies or having kind of come back to normal after the pandemic, uh, any number of factors could have factored into this thing, but, um, and it, uh, great ratings for them for sure. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the Oscars now as we kind of uh, deal with the fallout afterwards? Well, I know we're, we will at some point soon get into sort of the more negative, uh, more yeah. negative aspects. I, I kind of want to focus on the positive. Um, I thought Troy uh, Kotzer's uh, acceptance speech for uh, Best Supporting Actor was was tremendous. 
Um, I I thought uh, Drive My Car winning winning for best foreign language film and that that poor director who got played off three times. Oh, my God. Um, But but he still kept going Um, like good for him. Uh, uh, The Lady Gaga, Liza Minnelli Mm. moment, which I think had that slap not occurred. That is what everyone would be talking about, because that was just such a touching moment. Yeah. Um, seeing Lady Gaga basically take her by the hand and be like, I've got you. And I know like that, that, that moment, even in the, in the wake of sort of the, uh, the, the, the bad stuff mm. in the wake of the bad stuff, that was just sort of like a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I thought it was just so uh, incredibly touching uh, to, to watch that transpire. And also in the, Many of the past few years, my personal favorite film of the year that I'd like to see win Best Picture, it's never it's never won. Um, like the year that Whiplash came out, I'm like, that is the best movie of the year. I don't care what, what anyone else says. When the, big sit, when the Big Sick came out, I'm like, that is the best movie of the year. Um, when I watched Coda at home with my girlfriend, now wife, um, who, who she does have two um, nephews, one who was deaf and one who was hearing impaired. Um, she was the one who really educated me on some of the aspects of Coda prior to us watching it. Um, as that movie finished, I was like, that is the best movie of the year. I don't know if it's going to win, but that is the best movie of the year. And so seeing it win, especially because so many people, including two fellas on this screen, were predicting that power of Do- the power of the dog was going to win. Um, watching watching that cast get to go up on, sa- on stage and accept that award. I thought that was that was awesome and just you know truly truly heartwarming yeah yeah the cast here uh uh for coda there uh celebrating uh the victory um overall for them and nice to see uh sean Hader also winning for best um uh adapted screenplay uh for this mm-hmm. as well mike what are your thoughts uh, overall as you think about the oscars if you want to start positive or start negative, what is your yeah, yeah, no i overall? mean i'll start positive like yeah. i i think that um you know the oscars last year were just not yeah. anything anybody wanted i mean you know and not part of it was the fault of covid but then part of it was the fault of them just deciding to not show any clips or have any you know like there's like there's a lot of things you can do even during a pandemic that they just didn't do and so i do think this year was a little bit of getting back to form you know you're back at the dolby and everybody look you look it looked like you were at the oscars and yeah. it felt nice it's like yeah. it was good um, as far as losing our little competition, as I said to Shannon at the airport uh, in Orlando on Monday morning, never been so happy to lose. Mm. Like, more than happy that Coda beat Power of the Dog. And so whatever crap-ass movie you guys are going to make me watch for losing this thing, more than happy to watch it. Um, and, you know, it was the little moments that really got me. It was, you know, when, when Troy Katsour won and when Coda won, the fact that everybody in the yeah. audience was doing this, you know, that that really got me. Like, it really, like, that was really, really nice. I do think, and again, it is a shame because usually the big thing we come out of the Oscars with is, ugh, Oscars so white, why can't Oscars be more diverse? And although there's always way more to go, um we did have some more of that this year you know you did feel and also like it was one of those really nice years where um you know there's some years where just a movie just sweeps every single category and you're like well that's what it is but this really did feel like i think coda got what it deserved but Mm -hmm. i think dune got really recognized i'm glad that ariana debose won for west side story i thought her speech about being a queer afro latina girl was like really really powerful um, so I think that there was a lot of good stuff. 
I was very happy to see some clip reels of some yes. movies. Always, I am. I just give me my clip reels. I want to see some clips of movies put to different music. It makes me happy. It made me happy this time. Um, we the less the less we don't talk about the we don't talk about Bruno the better. Um, that part I get that part what was they a problem. Going for that part was I, a problem. I, I felt like it wasn't all that it could have been. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't, I appreciate what they were trying to do with the in memoriam. I'll say that I, I understand the desire to say we should do something to celebrate the lives of these people. This should be more of a celebration of who they were. I, I, I don't think that tonally they got it quite right. And I think that, you know, like I think people's reactions to that kind of spoke to that. But, you know, I do think it has to be said that in a year that was by by no means a perfect Oscars at all, but had a lot of really great, lovely moments. I think the Lady Gaga Liza moment that Shannon yeah. was talking about was beautiful. I think it's a shame that it all got overshadowed by the slap heard around the world. So I do yeah. I do think that is one of the uh, one of the challenges with that, um, which uh, which I'm sure we will start talking <laughs> about now. Well, I I do want to throw in my positives. I thought the set design was fantastic. I really loved the look. As you said, Michael, it felt like we were back at the Oscars again. I thought it was brilliant. Nice combo, a little bit of the Golden Globe stuff, the kind of familiarity, that closeness to the stage, sitting at those kind of maybe semi-dinner tables. I kind of like that. The fact the steps were only two steps. I enjoyed that Denzel being front, being able to see everything. We did have Will and Jada up front, and I think that was Will Packer's way of saying he's going to win. He's the king tonight. I want him as close to the stage as possible. Did not anticipate what was going to happen for sure, but certainly that situation I think was set out in a certain way. And there was more diversity in the front than I've ever seen before at any Oscars, even last year when they really tried to be diverse. That was a lot of fun. You know, we didn't see any Glenn Close twerking stuff. It was authentic. It was real. It was noble. It was a classic. It was honorable. It was great. Yeah, some missteps certainly with categories. Yeah, the In Memoriam, I get it. Gospel music is supposed to celebrate the life, uplift you. And even when you're down, it uplifts you. Uh, and when it's used in movies, it's usually to pick the spirits up or to fight against something that's uh, gonna gonna stop you or gonna stop the 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 um, how can I say it? The, the the minority from achieving something. Gospel has been used as a powerful thing. You know, color purple any number of places you've seen it really shine i think the smarter move would have been to move the gospel choir to the side or maybe even under the screens to the screen because i could i could you could barely see half the people they were talking about right although i did enjoy that they had moments where they stopped and had people come forward and speak about their memories of the person who had passed away like bill murray talking about uh, ivan reitman so i thought those were nice moments but a little clumsy at times and i thought some of the jokes from the uh, hosts were a bit uh, but like overall, though, I did I did like the when Wanda was dressed as Richard and um, the Spider Woman or Spider Man thing with Amy Schumer. The Amy Schumer Kristen Dunst thing really rubbed me wrong. Till the next day, they she said this was all talked about and planned out. <laughs> it was because I like Kirsten and I think Kirsten's taken an incredible amount of shit over the last few years. She's a goddamn good actress, and people are finally starting to respect that again. And so I was worried that that was something that was going to kind of denigrate her more. Uh, but obviously it was talked about, so I kind of let that go. But overall, yeah, I mean, there are there are some great po- – and Questlove's speech. Let's not forget Questlove's speech. Oh, my God. Right afterwards, a beautiful, beautiful speech that got me um, at the moment because I didn't really uh, – you know, like I didn't really kind of grasp the severity of what had happened. I was still kind of stunned. And so seeing his speech was really moving. 
the Dos Uruguitas performance was fantastic. Uh, Beyonce's performance, although the song maybe not so cool, not not as great as I was hoping from Beyonce, but the performance was incredible. And uh, and Reba, the ageless Reba McIntyre, she did a great job as well. So there was a lot. And Billie Eilish, which I was very happy to see her win. And I did say yeah. on the show last week that you did. Don't be surprised if she upsets. You sure did. No surprise. That, or, or a bit of a surprise, but uh, you know, uh, still incredible song to win. So. Um, but yeah, we we got to talk about this uh, um, the slap heard around the world. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Chris Rock came out and made a joke. For those of you who may not know, made a GI Jane joke at uh, uh, Jada Pinkett's expense, which I initially thought was funny because she had her, you know, she shaved her head. And I know about the alopecia thing, but I it didn't even connect in my head. And it was like, you know, it's a it's a it's an award show. They're gonna make fun of you. That's the game. Um, and of course, Will uh, Will initially laughed. But you could see Jada was not happy with the joke in the clip, just real quick cutaway. And then it seemed like she maybe looked at Will or said something to Will. We don't know because I don't think there's any video of that. And then Will stood up, walked the length of the stage. And initially you're thinking, is this a bit somehow? Is this going to be a back and forth between them or something? And he actually slapped Chris Rock, which was a real shock. And you heard it. Then he walked, he said, keep your wife's name out my effing mouth, then went and sat down and yelled it again to Chris Rock. And you could tell he was rattled. And um, at the time when it was happening, you know, I just was like, oh, this is, whoa, what is this? And I tweeted out something and I didn't think twice about it initially because I'm like, clearly my man, uh, you know, stepped over the line and it got handled. But in retrospect now, obviously you look at it and the fallout and the reactions it was a pretty embarrassing moment for a lot of people, including obviously Will Smith, um, and a couple of my my black friends texted me that were here in the sphere, and we were talking back and forth on text, and they were their their anger comes from the fact that it embarrasses the community that he did that mm-hmm. in the black community and did it's, kind of, it's like now racist like you saw Janine Pirro last night going nuts about it. You see Fox News got traction for two days off of this stuff. Because they want to push this narrative about race, you know, racist narrative and about liberals in Hollywood. And then Will Smith wins the Oscar, delivers a, a tear-soaked speech where he was kind of all over the place trying to figure out what to say with a lot of emotions kind of crashing into themselves. He was not escorted out after the slap. He stayed there and, and he was given a standing applause by some people there in the audience when he won. And we saw that both uh, Denzel Washington and Bradley Cooper uh, and I think Tyler Perry as well were consoling Will in the commercial break. That footage has come out. So, I mean, and Will Smith did apologize. Chris Rock hasn't said a word, but Will Smith did a, give a heartfelt apology, at least the way I took it. Um, so, gentlemen, your uh, reactions to this days later, this has split the community, really. There are a lot of people who are saying Chris Rock should not have joked no, if he knew about the album, should not have joked this way. And there are a lot of people who say Will Smith shouldn't have reacted this way. So there's a battle within the community here. I see online and on Twitter and some surveys, some surveys where I have it split right down the middle. So it's really interesting to see people's reactions. What are you all, what do you, as you take this all in now, a couple of days later, what do you, what do you all feel about it? Well, that was not a cool joke to make. Like that was, that was incredibly, that was incredibly insensitive and whether or not he knew about uh, Jada Pinkett's condition or if he didn't, um, neither one justifies the response that he got. Um, The, the trouble with being one of the last remaining movie stars. Yeah. Such as Will Smith is um, this is a guy who is a role model Mm. 
for a lot of a lot of young people and to watch his reaction in that moment and uh, like he's human people yeah. are going to lose their tempers like that does happen yeah. um to, to watch that reaction uh a lot of a lot of kids saw that afterwards mm-hmm. you know this this has dominated um a lot of the a lot of the uh, uh entertainment conversation since it happened yeah. and seeing the damage now obviously i can't i can't speak to the black community's experience i mean it's it's certainly interesting to read um but just from the kids perspective um a lot of a lot of people saw that and i have a lot of friends who are stand-up comedians and they're like look he was 100 wrong because again being one of the biggest movie stars in the world how many people think it's going to be okay to go up and pop a comedian now i understand what you're saying or, or, or i understand what has been said that sometimes you know you have to answer for your words but answering them with uh, assault is hmm. that's a choice but then you have to also be answerable for what you did right and that's i think cool. in any other situation um he he does he in, in any other situation it not being the oscars it not being will smith yeah this is um, at a bar i, I don't yeah, think you, anywhere oh, near the firestorm you, is now yeah right exactly. well it, it may not be near the firestorm publicly obviously but yeah. also i think uh you know the, the police get involved well, i mean if, if, if you're attacked i'm sure the you know the response is either going to be fight back or it's going to be to call the authorities yeah um so it was just such a shame because the entire night now that's what that's become about mm-hmm. and you know you had so many people work so hard to get to the Oscars Mm -hmm. and the people closest to you, they're going to remember it. But for the most part, all people are going to remember is that slap. And, and I think it sucks for Will Smith's legacy because his best actor win will never be a solitary subject. It will always be, he he hit a guy beforehand. It's not the crowning achievement that it could have been. Nope. Nope. And my my guess is, you know, time heals all wounds. I don't think I I personally don't think Will Smith's going to be kicked out of the Academy. Um, But I do think it will be a long time possibly before he's invited back. Yeah, probably. Mike, uh, your thoughts on this uh, afterwards? I mean, I think the part that bothers me and it's more I mean, look, I think I think it was all dumb. Mm -hmm. I think Chris Rock was dumb. If he knew about if, if Chris Rock knew about the alopecia, he was dumb. That was shitty. Will Smith making the crazy decision to walk up on stage during a yeah. live broadcast. Like, it's not like, we're all like, we're you know, there's been all this talk about like, oh, well, he was in the moment. He was defending. Like, the deci- he's this is a man who is a movie star, which means he spends all of his day in the public eye with publicists, thinking about his image, made the choice... Yeah. To walk up on stage on live television and do that, like, that's not a, I did something in the moment and was like, oh shit, like, that is a, you made that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what really bothers me more is like in the past several days since that, you know, you just see it. And it's like what you said, John, like, it's mm-hmm. like, you're half the world is on team Chris Rock. Like Will Smith was totally in the wrong and half the world is on team Will Smith that like he was justified. He was standing up for Jada. And I'm like, neither one of them has to be right. Mm. Like you don't have to choose a side here. You don't have, if you think that Will Smith was wrong, 
you don't have to think that Chris Rock is the innocent victim. And if right. you think Chris Rock made a shitty ass joke and was kind of a dick, that doesn't mean you have to think that Will Smith did the right thing. Like these got it again, if Chris Rock knew about the alopecia, that is a low blow. Yeah. That is shitty. You are a shitty comedian. That's not funny. Um, if he didn't know and was just like, Hey, Jade is bald. I'm going to say a joke that really sucks. Um, and I don't know what he knew. I can't say, I, I can say, I probably think I, 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 I have my opinions on it, but I don't really know either way. But yeah, I mean, I think that like the, ins the, the, the choice that Will Smith made is not a heat of the moment choice. Mm. Like he made a choice and he knew what that meant. Like he might not, he might've been blinded in the moment and passionate and whatever, but like he recognized it. And I do think that it sucks for everybody. It sucks for everybody that wards. It sucks, but it sucks for Will Smith. I mean, yeah. like, that's the thing. And when we all get into these like battles on Twitter about was he in the right or was he in the wrong and what did he do? I think ultimately Shannon's right. Like he, his speech, even his speech mm -hmm. that he gave was less about King Richard was less about this major milestone in his career, yeah. was less about this moment and the role that he played. His entire speech was an apology. Yeah. His entire speech was, let me talk about this thing that just happened a few minutes ago because holy shit, that went down. Like, And let it me explain it. it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let me try I think it was a justification it more yeah, justification. than apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a justification, fair. And I mean, fair, he did apologize to the Academy, but he tried to justify it before he got to the apology, so yeah. I think that, and I think that, you know, and again, I'm not in one of those, well, he should have handled it this way. He should have done this. Like we all do shit that we shouldn't do. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go start telling everybody what they should have done, but had he not gone up on stage and smacked Chris Rock. And if in his speech, when he won said, Richard protected his family and as I sit here tonight, listening to what Chris Rock said about my wife, Chris Rock would have been the villain of the Oscars. Yes, true. Chris 100%. Rock would have been, everybody on Twitter would have been like, Chris Rock needs to apologize. Chris Rock should not be invited back. Chris yeah. Rock should not this. And Will Smith would be the hero of the hour. Yeah. And so it's I not like that, Chris Rock has a great record at the Oscars. So you're right, Mike. It would have been even more uh, reason to not invite him back. Yeah. So like, yeah, and I do think that if a comedian says a shitty joke, which is gonna happen forever, uh, they should be called out on it. They probably shouldn't be beat up on stage. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably a line that we can draw. Yeah. Um, do I think that Will Smith should be kicked out of the Academy? No. Do I think that Will Smith should give back his Oscar? No. Uh, do I think, you know, like, I think that we also have a tendency to just like, everything that happens is like, well, now we need the punishments and the retributions. I'm like, look, Will Smith did a stupid thing to Chris Rock who said a stupid thing and it was all really, really stupid and it overshadowed everything else at the Oscars and it's all a shame and I think everybody feels shitty about it. Yeah. And I think that's about as far, I think sometimes in life, there's no right answer, there's no wrong answer, there's no hero, there's no villain, there's just a bunch of shitty stuff happen and life is messy. But, you know, as I as I tweeted out, though, I, I do think it is teachable moments. And I think that for 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 whatever side you're on, there are teachable moments here. And I think what you 
you know, there was a number of articles that spoke about why, uh, you know, about how black women have been the subject of ridicule from their own community, from people outside the community. And I think there were some great things written about that. And just like the other side, I think there were some great things written about, hey, listen, this is the game and this is the part of the situation. You got to be able to handle it. We all got pressure. We all got stuff we're under. We all got frustrations in our lives. It does not mean that you go off half cocked and, and slap someone. Mm -hmm. And there have been quite a few people. Which, which really opened my eyes the last couple of days, seeing how many people legitimately were triggered and how many people are kind of using this as a brand thing, uh, legitimately triggered um, and uh, like violently ill in reaction to, I mean, two of my friends from the Hollywood Critics Association, uh, uh, Scott Menzel and uh, my father, uh, Ernesto, Ernesto, told me how they uh, uh, had trouble sleeping uh, uh, the night before. Like I recorded things yesterday. They told me they had trouble sleeping. They had nightmares about it. The night before. I know Monday, I felt weird all day Monday, like viscerally, you know, just everything felt weird. It was wonky. And maybe that's the ramification of like, wow, this is kind of react. Maybe this is kind of due to seeing witnessing the really grasping the back and forth. And people were very like angry about it. You know, Mark Sloan and I went back and forth on Twitter, which was really uh, this is one of my best friends. And to see him react this way so angrily towards some of the things I was I was just shocked by it. But also when you take a step back the next day, you're like, okay, well, what was going on here? What's what's happening? Where do I ex where do I have more understanding or more uh, kind of opening the door, or creating space to hear this other side and and see that, you know, and even uh, Amy Schumer today said she was triggered and or she's still recovering from being from being triggered and the trauma. I can't even imagine what it was like to be there. Um, and I do want to give a little bit of understanding. I mean, it's a shocking thing. So some people standing up and clapping. I see all these people go, see that fuck the Hollywood liberals. It's a it's a it's a weird thing. Like you don't know how you're gonna react in that moment. And yes, yeah, some of them standing up clapping. Cody Smith with feet looked like he was a zombie. He was just like, uh, you know, he was standing, but he looked like, oh, what the fuck is going on? So I think a number of people were traumatized by that, and you don't know how the trauma is gonna manifest itself in the moment and then later on. And I think there needs to also be a season of understanding as much as Jada wants a season of healing of how people reacted to this in the moment, because you don't know how that's going to uh, uh, spark a reaction inside of you or being in the auditorium, how you're going to react to something like that. So, yeah, uh, I think, I think you're 100% right. I mean, like, I don't know that I would have stood up, but I also think yeah. that like nobody, like this is a one in a million thing that would happen. Right. The guy that is almost guaranteed to win best actor yeah. gets up before he wins best actor and smacks somebody on national television. Yeah, yeah. The chances of this Violent. happening Violent. are so infinitesimal. It's like nobody knew what the fuck to do. Yeah, like, yeah. do we do we not have him come on? Do we get him out? Like, like it is a I, I think everybody was frozen. I do also want to bring up, I think I would be remiss as a queer person if I did not bring up the fact that I've been looking at Twitter mm. and a good number of the people that are applauding Will Smith saying he stood up for his woman, mm. comedians can't say shit like that, he did the right thing, are the exact same people that tell queer and trans people that they can't take a joke when they get upset about Dave Chappelle. Mm. So I do think That's that- a fair point. Yeah. I do think that while I'm not saying that all queer and trans people should go up on stage and beat up Dave Chappelle, I am <laughs> saying that perhaps this is a good learning moment, as yeah. John says, about if you were okay with what Will Smith did because you felt that he was right to defend Jada, 
then the next time you hear a marginalized group that's not you saying, I didn't appreciate when X person said X about this, mm. think about that and think yeah. about your reaction. Yeah, it's something else. And I, and I imagine if this were an issue that it would have been brought up already. But, you know, these these award shows, they go, th they go through rehearsals. They have writers. Yes. This is not, I mean, did Chris J Rock yeah. write that joke? No, it was off. It was ad-libbed. They was released, it ad-libbed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, Occupy Democrats um, randomly, uh, uh, Twitter, the official Twitter for them, uh, stated that the, uh, uh, the Academy uh, said that this was not in the rehearsal. This was an off-the-cuff joke from Chris Rock, which makes sense because how would you know what Jada was going to wear or look that night? So yeah. um, it makes sense that it was an off-the-cuff remark. Well, I mean, and then that, that just goes to prove that, like, Chris Rock, not so good off the cuff. Because <laughs> in terms of it just being a joke, yeah. um, it was not funny. Like, it just it yeah. just wasn't good. Like, even, even if that had been a choice, yeah. e even if it was not a result of her, uh, of her condition... It's just not it's just not a good joke. I mean, it's it's something that I would expect more from a uh, a, a an established comedian like Chris Rock. Yeah, um, yeah man, it, it it's it's going to be it's going to be really interesting next year. Yeah. Like, sure. how does this affect the show going forward? <laughs> um, one, I don't think they should have three hosts. I mean, personally, I am not an Amy Schumer fan, nor am I a Wanda Sykes fan. Mm -hmm. um I, I i like regina hall um but uh but even regina hall like her her sketch which yeah yeah, yeah you, okay was, so you know what i'm gonna bring up right now i would like to bring this up I, just because you're a celebrity does not mean that you've signed some pact that your personal shit is now cannon fodder if you bring it up or you're brave enough to bring it up on a podcast i think that's where i'm having some real issues and ricky gervais can fuck all the way off with his bullshit he is a millionaire. He is a condescending fuck to people below him. I've heard a lot of stories about how much of a dick he is to work with in real life. So for him to try to play the everyman as he jokes about other millionaires when he's a millionaire is really one of the most sanctimonious things in my fucking existence. And I get so sick of the fact that society has deemed that these people who've worked hard, struggled, taken the shit, uh, and achieved their dreams now must be ridiculed by those who who... Uh, uh, want to make them uh, want to ridicule them or want to make them uh, uh, the, the uh, butt of jokes for the common person. And I, and I think that's, that's, sh I think that's unfair. And I think that shouldn't be uh, some, uh, what edgy comedy do you need to hear about someone's personal shit? That's going to like change the world. You know, I, I just don't understand that you can do better as a comedian. Jerry Seinfeld never does that shit. There are plenty of successful comedians who do not go into people's personal shit or famous people's personal shit on award shows and are great. And I just don't understand why we as a society go, Hey, your success fucking goes with the territory. Fucking deal with it. Uh, come on. You get mad at a drive through get, get the fuck out of here. Like I just, to me, I just think it's a bit hypocritical that they should just all of a sudden develop a thick skin. They should be able to take it just because they've been successful at something. They've worked really hard to be successful at. And, you know, I may be on an Island on this one on Hayward Island on this one, but I just get a little mad seeing that. I don't, well, you know, it gets it. I mean, we could we could argue for another hour That's about nature right. of sorry, comedy, you're right. You're right. but I Jada and Will are in an open relationship. Yes, that that is that like that's not a secret. Sure, but is like, that that is a fact? That you should and be able to make fun of. Yeah, but but like that's like saying, like you can make fun of it. Yeah. You can't 
be derogatory about it. And I don't think that Regina Hall's joke said, this is why being in an open relationship is shitty. She said, no. hey, you guys are good. I'll take Will. Like, that they are in an open relationship. There would be nothing wrong if they did. Like, I think that- And they I think both that, laughed I, at that joke, to be fair. They're yeah, I, and I think that the nature of people's reaction to that has a lot more to do, and I'm not saying you specifically, yeah, I didn't, but I, I didn't have an issue in with general, that. I think that people's reaction to that has more to do with their judgment on an open relationship no, that's fair. than it does with the joke. Because if there's nothing wrong with an open relationship and Will and Jada have an open relationship and Regina yeah. Hall says, I'm gonna take all these hot men backstairs. And by the way, Will, I think Jada says it's good. You can come too. Where, where's the offense? Like, what did she say? Like, if she right. said, you guys are in an open relationship and I think that's wrong because, well, then you're attacking someone's personal life. Right. But when you take something that is fact that we all know and say, hey, I would like to have sex with Will Smith. You know what? So would I. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can I call Jada and ask? I mean, Jada clapped like this for that joke and Will was like, no, I'm not going up there. So they were playing along with that one. Um, yeah, so yeah, I hear you. I mean, it, it was more the alopecia thing. I think that's where I'm more well, at. That, but I, and I think, and I think when you see, and I think particularly in Jada's response, because the Will part is a little bit a mystery of what happened in that five seconds that we didn't see. Yeah. But I think that's the point is Regina Hall made a joke about Will and Jada that Will and Jada clearly were like, yeah, girl, like that's yeah. funny. And the alopecia joke, you saw Jada's face and she was like, do Oof. we really have to do this right now? I know. We've all seen that face um, on a woman's face, like someone we care about in a moment. And you're just like, oh no, it's all going off. It's it's, it's going to pop off here. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and maybe, and, and you know, you can't remove the factor of like, uh, the Chris Rock joke in 2016 at Jada's expense, you know, insulting her as a TV actress uh, and, you know, the other stuff that it's gone on and, and him having done a documentary about women's black hair. I mean, there's so much here. There's so much context in this. And who knows? You know, there's so much. But in the end, I think what you guys said initially is correct. It's just a mess. And it's a shame more than anything else, because it mars what could have been a really great night. Even I think it's still even there would have been criticisms about the show. Yeah. But there would have been a lot of celebration of what happened and unfortunately just like we're doing here unfortunately um people are talking about this rather than the other stuff more and and, and that's a shame and we'll see and I, you know people like oh i'll never look at will smith the same way i, I don't know about all that i you know well, time, people lose their heads and i get it you you can feel every way you want to feel about will i just think that's a bit much but I, you know some people are really traumatized by assault and i would never take that away from someone's uh, feeling about it you know so Sorry, yeah. Mike, what were you gonna say? No, I was. Just, I mean, I just. I, mean, I know we're running over. We gotta wrap yeah. up. But I think that. I think that. Um. You know, I saw an article about uh, that was covering. I think it was the Vanity Fair party. Yes. And they were talking about how at the party yeah, they were Will playing, getting jiggy with it, and Will was dancing. And I'm like, not like. I, I want to be really careful how I say this, but like, <laughs> when we see something on television, yeah, and it is so outside of the norm, and it is so holy shit! I can't believe that happened. And it is so triggering to so many people for so many reasons. And Chris Rock was clearly in the wrong for the joke he made. And Will Smith was clearly in the wrong for just walking up on stage and slapping somebody. And we all spend the next 72 hours talking about it. But Chris Rock didn't press charges. Nope. And Will Smith won the Oscar and he and Jada went on and they celebrated their night. And I feel like everyone who this happened to 
was like, well, that was a shitty thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. And it, all the rest of us in the world are yeah. on Twitter screaming at each other yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. And it's like, there are so many things in this yeah, world yeah, yeah. that are so fucked up. Right. Why and is one it... person doing something stupid to another person who said something stupid is not in the top 10 of things that we need to be passionate about. Yeah. I mean, a pile of Ukrainian bodies should be giving you nightmares. Not this, in, in my opinion. But, you know, I, you make a you make a good point here, Michael. Yeah, there are those two. And so I think one of the former Academy spokesmen came out and said, that's between the two men and they handled it. And, you know, it's it's over. And and Diddy even said they handled it behind the scenes uh, later on the next the next day to Vanity Fair. He said they handled it. They met. They handled it behind the scenes. It's done. Chris Rock hasn't said a word, which I think is kind of a smart move by him. Uh, because his ticket sales for his comedy tour now have skyrocketed. Like, he's selling out all over the place. So, in a way, it kind of worked out for him. Because, as yeah. Michael said, he could have been the villain. And in the end, now everyone's like, he took it like a champ. He's a hero for the comedy world. And all of that. <laughs> you know, Bill Maher going crazy, of course, about it. But Yeah, we got to uh, find Shannon, out who's, who's – I was going to say, we got to find out who's hosting SNL this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> No one's going to start smacking comedians. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, as Jada said, it's a season of healing. People can put down their swords for a little while and kind of detox and reconnect with the people they're battling with because they're probably battling with friends and family about this stuff and just kind of let it go and, and move on. Take the lesson and, and then move on. We shall see. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us or for listening to us. You know, we are in podcast form as well. We appreciate it madly that you let us be a part of your life every week here on the Geek Buddies. And don't forget, we've got a Moon Knight review coming up here in the next couple of days, a spoiler review for episode one. Um, and we will break it all down and we might have a special guest. We shall see if we can lock that person down, have a special guest to join us for these reviews. We shall see. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Toon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Um, well, if you like what we are doing and you don't want to slap us yet, then we would like you to keep listening and watching. And here's what you can do. Um, you can hit that like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page over there. He has got a ton of amazing content. The man does more work than I know that there are hours in the day. I don't know how he is still alive. Um, so check all of it out. Uh, leave your comments below. I imagine we might have some heated comments about what you think <laughs> about the slap. Uh, keep it civil. Don't get in fights. Remember, yeah. there's more important things. But definitely let us know what you thought about everything below. If you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, go ahead and leave us some stars. Leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the greatest thing that you guys can do for us is to retweet this video, uh, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddy the geek buddies yeah thank you mike and once again much love uh, to carbon health with powers and sponsors the outlaw nation and the geek buddies here again they have 100 plus locations in 14 states go and get checked out don't do that man thing of not going to see the doctor go see the doctor go get your butt checked out and every other part of your body checked out they've got 100 locations in 14 states 50 locations in california they've got they've done over 2 million covid tests 
They probably didn't even more since I started talking about this stuff here. If you're in California, considering consider scheduling an annual checkup and utilizing the primary care services. There's primary care providers there. They listen, they follow up after appointments, and they bring compassion to their everyday work. Don't we want to make a connection with somebody when they have our health in their hands? They can. We continue to partner with them because Carbon Health generally cares about positive communities like ours, like the Geek Buddies community, who engage with each other over the love of culture and expressions of life. You can even download the Carbon Health app and keep a doc in your pocket for immediate urgent care needs. Uh, all right, that's it. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We love you madly, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.